Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I feel very weak tonight, very small. I ask, please, for your power through your word, by your spirit, to speak to these guys. The things that we're going to look at tonight, God, are the utmost importance for them. And I pray that not one person in this room will ignore what your word has to say to them tonight. And I pray, please, that tonight people would become Christians, would trust in Jesus for the first time, or come back to him. And I pray for those who already trust in Jesus, that these words will bring joy and transformed lives. And I pray for this in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Well, did you guys see this? Things that every year kill more people than sharks do. Okay, because sharks are scary. They kill five people every year. But roller coasters are more scary. They kill six people every year. Vending machines somehow kill 13 people every year. Hot dogs, I bet you didn't see this coming. They kill 70 children a year. Ten times as many as sharks do. Think about that next time we feed you hot dogs at EVA Youth. Apparently texting is even more deadly still. Texting kills 6,000 people every year. And if you are someone who is afraid to go in the water because of sharks, you probably should be afraid to go outside because lightning kills a whopping 10,000 people every year. Now, 150,000 people die every day, which means two things. Number one, I want to say this to you. You don't know when you're going to die. Three people your age die every day in Australia. Don't put off Jesus too older. It could be a fatal mistake. Number two, people die all the time. What makes this one death so special? 400 people spending a whole week all about this one guy's death. What's so special about it? Tonight we're going to see why Jesus' death changes everything. See, electricity being invented, that changed a lot of stuff. Jesus' death changed more. I could not exaggerate to you the hugeness of the changes, and tonight we'll see why the cross is the biggest event in history. There's never been a talk I've been more keen to preach, possibly no more important topic than we could live, uh, look into. But I need to warn you that what we're about to look at tonight is only true for you if you are a Christian. And one of the things I will urge you to do tonight is to see the benefits of being a Christian. And I urge you to turn and trust in Jesus tonight. But do you have the question, what did the cross achieve that makes it the biggest event in history? Well, big point number one, the cross saves sinners. We're not really going to use page two tonight, so you can take notes all over the place if you want. But have a look in your Bibles, which should be open to Romans 3.23. I want you to put your finger on the word for. In fact, I want you to underline these words. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Now, there's big words in there, but I'll unpack it for you. It starts with our situation, what we saw on Wednesday night. For all have sinned. We saw that last night. You have sinned. And then it describes how Jesus' death on the cross saves sinners. And it uses all these different words. I want to see if you can find them in the passage. 
Justified. Do you see that? Redemption. Do you see that there? Sacrifice of atonement. All these words describe our salvation, our rescue by God. But each word describes it in a different way. See, what Jesus' death achieved for us is so rich, you can't just picture it in one way. You need a few pictures. It's like a jewel with many sides. I was hoping to have Monique's engagement ring, but she wouldn't let me take it. So this is Ellen Warner's. And I don't know if you can see, <laughs> I don't know if you can see that shining there. But the cross is like a jewel with many sides. Okay? And you hold up at that angle and you see that side of it. Then you spin it around, you hold it at that angle, and you see a different side of it. I'm going to wear that <laughs> so I don't lose it. But just like that, we're going to look at the jewel of the cross from a few different angles tonight. And all of these pictures are about God saving sinners. Like Captain America, like the Avengers, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman. They are all stories about rescue. But the cross is God's rescue mission to save sinners. And you'll notice as we go along that all these pictures are built on the one thing. What we saw last night, Jesus dying in our place for our sins. Verse 25, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement. A sacrifice, giving his life to save ours. And it says there, through the shedding of his blood. That's how he pays the penalty, the punishment. And so what did it achieve? Let's hold up that jewel. Here's number one, A, expiation. His blood has washed away my sin. Now, don't be afraid of the big words. They're for the people who like big words. If that's not you, just ignore them. But here's what it means. Jesus' death washes away the ugly stain of our sin. We are spiritually clean. Now, where do I get that from? Well, it's hard to see in these words, but it's in verse 25. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. Now, under those words in Greek is a tricky word, hilasterios. They say you shouldn't use Greek words in youth group talks, but we're going to do it. People debate what this word hilasterios means. And that's why it's translated sacrifice of atonement. Actually, it's kind of sidestepping the debate. And we'll come back to that debate in a second. But what everyone agrees on is that this word means at least this. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice to wash away our sins. You get that in another place in the Bible, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It's on the screen. No, it's not. Never mind. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Memorize that verse. But that is expiation. It's a bit like disinfectant. Okay, I brought in a bottle of disinfectant and... Uh, it, there it is. Watch out in the front row. But that's, that's disinfectant. Now, um, Dan Ford, all right, every Friday night after youth group, he does the exact same thing. See, he's high-fived hundreds of you, okay? Touched hundreds of your hands. Now, who knows where your hands have been? You probably pick your nose. You might not wash your hands after you go to the toilet. And so every Friday night after youth group, Dan does the same thing. He gets a bottle of the strongest disinfectant that he can, and he spends like half an hour spraying his hands. He gets those hands as clean as he can. No, that's not actually what he does, but he does always wash them after Friday night. But I wanted to tell you that because Jesus', Jesus blood is like disinfectant, washing away our spiritual dirtiness. And that's why we sing those lyrics on the screen behind me. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I love expiation. See, do you feel guilty tonight? 
You've probably done stuff that deserves feeling guilty about. But if you have trusted Jesus, hear my words to you from the Bible tonight. You are not guilty. You are clean. Your sins are gone. When I became a Christian, I felt so much joy in knowing that Jesus had taken away my sins. I felt for the first time in my life clean. I want you to write in your booklets, I am clean, but only write it if you are someone who is trusting in Jesus to save you. If you're not sure, that's something to think about. But do you remember the, I'll give you time to write that actually, I am clean. Shouldn't take too long. But remember, do you remember the debate I mentioned about that word? Does sacrifice of atonement mean that Jesus' blood has washed away our sin only? Or does it also mean that Jesus has made God not angry at our sin anymore? Now, some people don't like that because they don't like the idea of God being angry. Do you think those people are right? What do you guys think? Why? Yeah, we saw it last night. He is angry at our sin. It's pointless to say, I don't like it. He is. This word, sacrifice of atonement, actually does mean not simply that he takes away our sin, though it does mean that, but it also means that Jesus' blood takes away God's anger. And that's the second picture of the cross. B, propitiation. The Father's wrath, remember that means anger, completely satisfied. Now remember what we talked about last night. God's anger at sin only goes away when the punishment has been paid. God's anger must be satisfied. You know when on Christmas Day you've eaten that lunch? You're almost like going to give birth. You're that full. You lean back in your chair and you go, Ah, I am so satisfied. I don't need to eat anymore. Jesus' death took our punishment and satisfied God's anger. He's not angry anymore. The big fancy word for that is propitiation. When someone is angry and you do something that makes them not angry anymore. And so if you trust in Jesus, God is not angry at you anymore if you trust in Jesus. Verse 25, that's what those words, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. That's what that means. Now I'll give you an illustration of this. Who here has ever used a magnifying glass to go outside in the sun and burn your name into like a a leaf or a piece of wood? Anyone? Not telling you to do it, but I once wrote my name into the front steps of my house. I wouldn't recommend that. My parents were not very pleased. In that moment on the cross, it's like a big magnifying glass was hanging over Jesus' head and all of God's anger and punishment for all of human history was focused down onto that one man in that one moment of time. And God has already punished Jesus and poured out his anger on him, which means that if you come to Jesus and hide in him as your savior, there's no more anger. Jesus gives you protection from the fire of God's anger. Now guys, this is bigger than finding a cure for cancer because cancer, that'll kill you in this life. God's anger, his punishment for sin, that will kill you forever in hell. But if your trust is in Jesus the Savior, God is not angry at you anymore. You are completely forgiven. No hard feelings. Peace. Praise God for that. Now the next image 
I don't know if you've ever gone uh, somewhere to buy something, got to the cash register and not had enough money to pay for it. I was once filling up my car at a petrol station and I went in to pay and I was like, dang, I forgot my card. Now, at that point, I can't drive home because they're, they're going to think I'm just going to do a runner. So I'm like trapped in this service station. I'm like doomed to die um, eating stolen meat pies and Slurpees. No! <laughs> now, nah, I, I call my dad. Always what I do. Dad, can you come and pay for my petrol, please? Because <laughs> right now I'm trapped at a service station. I'm going to die. <laughs> and my, my dad came and he paid it and he set me free. <laughs> and I walk here today because of that. <laughs> that is the third image. See, redemption. He paid my debt and set me free. I love this image. Have a look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned, I want you to look at your Bibles, and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through, here it comes, the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You see the word there, redemption? That word means to rescue, setting the birds free from the cage. But it always involves paying a price to set them free. It's actually like buying the cage of birds so you can let them go. Now the idea comes from the slave market. Did you know that there are more slaves alive today than at any point in the history of the world? 27 million people are trapped and forced to work as slaves. Men, women, even children. Kidnapped, sold like property. And today, actually, the average age of someone who's kidnapped and sold as a slave is what? 12 years old. Your age. Lots of Christians actually speak out against it, and they've stopped buying clothes made by slaves, or chocolate or coffee that's made by slaves. People your age are actually standing up and taking action about slavery. But if you wanted to completely rescue a slave, do you know what you could do? You could go to the slave market. You could buy one, and then you could just let them go free. That is redemption. Paying a price to set them free. It's like a ransom. You know the story in the movie, the, the bad guys, they take some hostages, they're being held, and they say, we won't let them go until you pay a price, a ransom. Jesus' death was the ransom price to set us free. We've seen a few times this week, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus paid my debt and set me free. What are we redeemed from? What are we rescued from? We were trapped. In fact, if you're not a Christian, you are still trapped by sin. You are trapped by your past, by your guilty conscience. You're trapped by the punishment that's waiting for you after death. You're trapped, actually, by the empty life that sin leads you to. You're trapped by the destructive power of sin in your life. It wrecks everything. You're trapped in this world of sin, suffering, and death, all because of the effects of sin. But because Jesus paid the price of his life, Jesus has rescued you from that. So you are free from your past and guilty conscience. You are free from the punishment of sin. That's, there's nothing bad waiting for you after death. 
You are free from the empty life that sin led you to. He's broken the power of sin in your life and he's called you to a better kind of life. And you will be free from this world that's broken by sin. And you will live forever in the perfect, rock-solid new creation, forever free from suffering and sickness and death. That's what we are redeemed from. But what are we redeemed for? Well, the answer is we are redeemed by Christ, for Christ. Next slide. See, the picture of redemption points out to us that the one who paid the price, well, he's bought us. He now owns us. And that's why we sing in that song, When I Survey, On the cross my Savior died, Lord of life, now crucified, and all I am belongs to him on the cross. He bore my sin. You belong to him now. That's a good thing because your selfish desires, twisted like that ruler, are a bad master to obey. And it's such a good thing to belong to Jesus. He's a good master. And so I just want to apply that to ourselves for a second. Number one, if you have been saved by Christ, he now owns you. And you now must live with him as Lord. See, when it comes to decision-making, will I take that job that means I work Friday nights and I can't make it to youth? No, I belong to Christ. I'll gladly do what he wants. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, "You right at the end of the verse there, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God in your bodies. If you're a Christian tonight, your life is not your own. Christ has bought you at the price of his own death, which means you actually now belong doubly to God, once because he made you, and secondly, because he then bought you. And that means your life is not your own, it is God's, which is why the Bible says, glorify God in your body. Use your body to show everyone how amazing he is. God made you for that. He bought you for that. That is the meaning of your life. That is true freedom, doing what you were made to do. We were made to belong to God. There's the first uh, application. Secondly, love the church and serve it. Now by that I mean the people, not the building. But the people in the church belong to God. He paid for them with his own blood. If Jesus thought that this church was worth his blood... Don't you think they're worth your love? Don't don't bag out Christians. Christ paid his precious blood for them. Try never to hurt one of your brothers or sisters in Christ. Jesus paid his precious blood for them. Don't let them be left out or left behind. Christ paid his precious blood for them. Too many people leave EV youth because they feel left out or not accepted. It should not be so. Christ paid his precious blood for them. Jesus paid far too high a price for us to pick and choose who we will love in his church. 
It is such a privilege to belong to the church of Christ, to serve them and love them and welcome them. Christ paid his precious blood for them. EV youth, love each other. Love each other. Love the church. Three, worship Jesus. He is worthy of it. Be filled with joy and gratitude for what Christ has done. We sing, oh, praise the one, here's redemption, who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Number four, which on the slide says three, but it's four. Let all of this motivate you to holy living in your life. See, you are set free from sin by Christ and for Christ. Your master doesn't want you to sin. He hates it and it hurts you. He died to get you out of it. Why would you go back? Run away from sin and live holy lives. Now, the specific thing mentioned in 1 Corinthians 6 I referred to before, and we've talked about it all day, is flee from sexual immorality. And I believe that's relevant for us. That's why we spend so much time talking about it. For me, for us, for our day and age, when you are with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, when you are on the internet or on your mobile phones, using Snapchat or Instagram or whatever app you use, remember this. You are set free from sin by Christ and for Christ. So flee sexual immorality. But don't let it stop there. I'm talking to leaders and youth here. Let's be a people committed to absolute holiness. Don't even let those, you know, the acceptable sins, the okay swears, the the sins that we don't really talk about and don't really make a big deal of, don't even let them be there. Your debt is paid. You're set free from sin by Christ and for Christ. Don't go back to it. Live holy lives. That's redemption. He has rescued you, paid your debt, and set you free. But for the next picture, we've got to move into the courtroom. I don't know if you've ever watched Legally Blonde, a bit of an old movie, or you probably shouldn't have watched them. Suits, Boston Legal. I, did, I went to law school and I felt left behind because they'd all been watching all these TV shows about law. It's all right. They're not right anyway. But, uh, but here's a picture. Ready? It's like we're in court. We're in the box in the courtroom, and we are on trial for our life. And this picture says when God bangs down his whatever he bangs down, he says, not guilty. It's justification, point D. God declares me 100% righteous. Righteous means 100% good. means innocent, good. Have a look at Romans chapter 3, verse 25 again. I want you to look at it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Our sin has been put off us and put onto Jesus and the punishment has been paid by Jesus. So now God can judge us and fairly bang down his whatever they bang and say, not guilty Now, he's not just saying not guilty when really we are guilty. Justification means that because of Jesus' death, we are genuinely made not guilty. 
It's like um, he takes your exam paper. Have you ever done really badly on an exam? There's mine there. It's not so great. Jesus, he's done pretty well. In fact, he's done perfectly. And justification is crossing out my name and writing Jesus. He takes my sin, writing, crossing out Jesus' name and writing my name on his. I get his goodness. It's the great exchange we talked about last night. And it's not just that you haven't done anything wrong. It's more than that. It's actually that you've always done everything right. Now, I thought, how do I explain this? So I drew a picture. Uh, I'm not the greatest artist. But uh, here you go. A sinful track record has lots of cross marks. Wrong, 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 wrong. Now, Jesus' blood washes us clean. That's expiation. That takes away the crosses. But justification takes it a step further, and it puts ticks everywhere that it's possible to have ticks. God declares you 100% good instantly the moment that you become a Christian. I'll tell you the scandal of it, the, the horror, the shock of it. You are good even if you don't do good all the time. See, this isn't saying that you will always do everything good. That's a work in progress. That's the rest of your life. But it's saying that even if you don't do good, you are good. You have Jesus' goodness, and that is unbelievable. That is justification. Now, where where does that come from? Look at verse 24. It says, And all, that's all those he saves, are justified, how? Freely by his grace. Now, he's actually repeating himself there. He's actually saying the same thing twice. Freely, grace. Because both those words mean this, as a gift. He's saying, it's free. It's free. It's a gift. It's a gift. God gives this justification as a gift to people who don't deserve it and don't do anything for it. Now, how do you get that gift? Because it's not automatic. And you need to hear this tonight. Look at the verse 25 at the end of it there. It says, To be received by faith. You receive this gift by putting your faith in Jesus to save you. You ask him and you just trust that because you asked and he promised he has saved you by his death on the cross. And if you trust in Jesus, God declares you 100% good. Quick break. Uh, Graphs, people think they're boring. I don't think so. Let's have a look. The McDonald's curve. Never again. I'm loving it. 10 minutes later, never again. Does anyone relate to this? Next graph. It's, it's, it's kind of not really a graph, but it is a little bit. Next graph. I'm waiting for like the year sevens. Next graph. Now, somewhere along here, there's a graph I've drawn. Is there one more of these ones? Yeah, sweet. So people think graphs are boring. I think graphs can be fun. But I want to show you a graph that will change your life. I had some fun drawing it. It's called the goodness graph. See this graph? It goes from 100% good to minus 100% good. That you could say 100% evil. Now, where do you need to be to come to God and go to heaven? 
Remember, God hates all sin. Well, unless you're up there at the top, 100% good, you can't get close to God. To go to heaven when you die, you need to be at 100%. And that squiggly line there, I reckon, is a bit what our life looks like day to day. You know, there's some ups and some downs. Oh, go back a page. Yeah, some ups and some downs, some good days and some bad bad days. Uh, and, And that's how I think it feels. But actually, when you look at the Bible's picture, we're giving ourselves too much credit there. So next one, let's drop that down there because even on our best days, we don't make it to to zero. We always sin in everything we do. And so we're actually way down there, and that's our day-to-day life. And you'll see that that gap there is huge. But if you have put your trust in Jesus... In his death on the cross for you, you are justified. God declares you 100% righteous. And so you get put on this orange line. And day after day, no matter what you do, you are 100% good. Now, let me apply this graph and show why it'll change your life. Number one, it shows that you are either a Christian or you're not a Christian. There is no middle ground. I've talked to lots of you guys asking, do you think you're a Christian? And they're like, yeah, I think I'm, you know, I'm pretty much a Christian. I'm kind of a Christian. There's no such thing. Either you're trusting in Jesus or you're not. If you're trusting in Jesus, you're on the orange line. 100% righteous. And if you're not still trusting in Jesus, he hasn't taken away your sin, you're still down on your own line. You've still got your sin and God is still angry. There's no middle ground. And so the question you've got to ask tonight is, which line am I on? Have I trusted in Jesus? Number two, nothing gets you any closer to God. Nothing you do gets you any closer to God. Now, at this point, I'm talking to both Christians and non-Christians. First, if you're not trusting in Jesus, you're not a Christian. No matter what you do, you will never get to that 100% line. Nothing you do can get you closer to God. Now, I mean this with respect. But Catholics get this wrong. See, they think you need to do enough good things to get to heaven. But we've already seen that's impossible. You'll never do enough good to get there. You can't take away your own stain. There's another reason they're wrong, though. It's because they're not, it's not even necessary. Jesus' death on the cross has done it all. He's already taken away your sin. He's already taken that punishment. And he's already given you 100%. What's left for you to do? Nothing. There's no team effort involved here. See, I think Catholics think it's like Jesus plus. Next one. Jesus plus my good works. If I have Jesus and I have some good works, I'll go to heaven. And I suspect a lot of you guys think that as well. I've got to get Jesus in my life and I've got to do some good works enough to get me to heaven. No. Not right. There is no Jesus plus. See, um, Jesus plus anything, whatever you add as anything, that's actually what you're trusting in. You're not trusting in Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing else at all gets you to heaven. And so if you want to go to heaven when you die, nothing you do will take you one step closer. You add nothing to it. You simply trust in Jesus. Now, that's for you if you're, not, if you're not trusting in Jesus already. But I think we forget this even if we are trusting in Jesus. If your faith is in Jesus, you also need to be told nothing you can do can get you any closer to God. You're already at 100%. On your best day, 
you haven't gone up. On your worst day, you haven't gone down. See, I think many Christians live their Christian life riding the roller coaster of their successes and failures, feeling close to God when they're going well and far from God when they're not. Do you relate to that? Because it's not like that. If you trust Jesus, you are 100% righteous. You're as close to God as it gets, no matter what sort of day you've had. I know that some of you lately, you, you feel like you've let God down. God doesn't look at that if your faith is in Jesus. He looks at that orange line right there. And so if that's you, put your trust in Jesus and come back to God. Rejoice and enjoy that relationship with God. So you don't need to live trying to get to that 100% line. You can live for God stoked that you are already on that 100% line and relate to God like you know he accepts you. Application number three, live with unstoppable hope. See, you already know what that verdict is going to be on judgment day. He's already given you the verdict. We've seen it already. If your faith is in Jesus, what's the verdict? Not guilty. Therefore, heaven forever for certain. No one can change that. Nothing can separate you from God's love. And that's why Romans chapter 8, amazing chapter, is all based on justification. And so guys, please live with unstoppable confidence that beyond the grave, nothing but paradise is waiting for you. Live a radical Christian life. What have you got to lose? You will live in paradise forever. And it's all because of justification. Jesus' death on the cross declares you 100% righteous. The last picture is a family portrait. I don't know if you guys have seen these, uh, these pictures. These are awkward family photos. I'm waiting for the people who haven't worked it out yet. The baby's not going to have a good day. Um, let's go to the next picture. What's going on here? I think, I think that one might be photoshopped, but I got it from the website. They promised. Next one. How crazy is this? What's going on there? See, we've all got those family photos, don't we? Do, do you have... Maybe not quite that bad. But you've always got those photos that are a little bit awkward. No matter how awkward those photos might be, you love your family. Or if you don't, you wish you did. Whether you've got a great family or you have a hard time with your family, we all long to belong to a loving family. And that's what this next picture is all about. E, reconciliation back in relationship with God as his child. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. If your faith is in Jesus, the relationship is back on. It's been fixed. See, we were enemies. We saw it last night. He was angry at us. But we've been made clean, forgiven, rescued, justified. And that means we're no longer enemies. If your faith is in Jesus tonight, 
you are adopted by God as his child. That's reconciliation. The relationship that we were made for. Do you feel lost or alone in the world? You don't know who you are or you don't know where you belong. Well, if you have been reconciled to God, you are not lost. You are home in the family. You belong with him. This is who you are. You are a child of God. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1 says. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children that's Romans 8, 15 to 17. Or well, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Can you believe that? That the all-powerful God would call us his children and that is what we are, that verse says. When we pray, do you know what this means? He listens. And so, Eva Youth, pray Always pray often. Talk to your father. Talk to him about everything. Hard things, exciting things, good things. Pray with confidence and joy because he's your dad. And the Bible says that if we are all children of God, we, you, the people, look at the person on your left. Look at the person on your right. This is why we are family. God's goal in the cross was to break down every barrier. Listen up. And make us all one. Not strangers, but members of the family. EV Youth, we are one. On the same mission, with the same captain, the same passion. Saved by the same cross, with the same father. We share the same hope, the same promises. We share the same future. We couldn't be more tightly bound together and it's all because of the cross. So let there be no divisions among us. No year 7 and year 12. No white or Asian. No rich or poor. No cool or nerdy. No popular or unpopular. No homeschool or state school. We are all family brought together by the cross. And so we love each other no matter what our differences are. We are one in Christ. Beauty pageant winners. What do they always say they wish for? World peace. That is what God is doing through the cross. He's gathering a people to belong to him forever. Just look at this slide. This is what the next one. This is what the cross achieved. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 25. You'll now understand it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. 
Now, sadly tonight, I won't have time to talk about the cosmic effects of the cross. Those were the personal ones. How the cross reveals God, how it reveals his justice, how it reveals his love. See, if you look at the world and go, um, how can you believe that God is fair? How can you believe that he's loving? If you've ever wrestled with those questions, look at the cross where his commitment to justice was so high that he would rather die than let evil go unpunished. That's how just he is. Look at the cross where he literally loved his enemies to death. When you look at the cross, you can't doubt God's love and his justice. And you also see his wisdom and his grace and his power and his humility. And I could keep going, but altogether you see his glory most at the cross. Sadly, I also won't have time tonight to talk about the other cosmic effect of the cross, how the cross conquered evil. Now, have you ever cut the head off a snake? I'd be surprised if you had. But what happens uh, when you cut the head off a snake is that it keeps wriggling for a while, but it's a goner. That is exactly what we see in the world today. Evil is still wriggling, but it's a goner because Christ's death won the victory and he conquered evil forever on the cross. And then he proved it by rising again from the grave. As I said, it wasn't possible for death to hold him down. He defeated sin and death and he rose again in victory to live forever. The cross changes everything for you as a sinner. Changes your future eternally because the cross saves sinners. For us, the cross reveals God. For the universe, the cross conquers evil forever. Praise God for the cross. A few years ago, someone showed me a cool way to remember all these. And it's the reason we're doing this song tonight. It's a bit corny. Okay, but do you remember this? I, I'm the worst sinner you'll ever hear, but here we go. Your blood has washed away my sin, Jesus. That's coming out better than I was expecting it to. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> now, normally we sing Jesus, thank you. Your blood has washed away my sin, expiation. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Propitiation, once your enemy, now seated at your table, reconciliation. <laughs> I used to watch the show Pop Stars, which was before Australian Idol, and I used to think that I was going to get there. I was going to win it. <laughs> Guys, look at what Jesus has done for you on the cross. We're going to sing that song now and praise God for what he's done on the cross. But I want you, please, can you do this? If you, no, no, whoever you are, during this song, can you please think about, have I trusted Jesus? You saw how much hangs on that question. Have I turned from living for myself as a rebel of God to trust in Jesus? Please listen to me. To trust in Jesus Receive these benefits and become a Christian. Have I done that? Do I want to do that? Let's sing. 
While I come up, I'll pray. Father, we thank you for your cross, that you lovingly sent your son Jesus, who lovingly died in our place for our sins, and because of that, washed us clean, forgave us, redeemed us, rescued us, declared us good, innocent, brought us back to your family, adopted us. Father, I pray for those tonight who aren't sure where they stand, that you'll give them clarity about where they want to stand, whether they want to turn and trust in Jesus, receive these, these gifts and eternal life with you forever. Please, tonight, would you change hearts to trust in Jesus, draw people to you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to come back up here and ask, will you join the family tonight by turning to trust in Jesus? Do you want that? Saviour of my soul, I want to live for you. I don't want this to be about emotional hype. So if you're not sure, if you think it could be that, I'd rather you wait, I'd rather you talk to a leader. But I believe you've got enough information now to make a pretty good decision. These pictures show that you need him, right? You're dirty. God's angry at you. His death can make you clean. His death can satisfy God's anger. You're trapped by sin and its punishment. And his death can set you free from sin and its punishment. Give you the power to live the life that you were made for. You are guilty. But he can make you not guilty and instead 100% good. You are an enemy of God. But his death on the cross can bring you back into relationship with God and his family. The effects will start tonight instantly and they'll last forever. This is what God is offering you tonight. Do you want to become a Christian tonight? It's probably the biggest decision I'll ever make. It was the best one I ever did. I want to get everyone actually to bow their heads and close their eyes. Because this isn't about the people around you. This is between you and God. Whether you will stop your rebellion against him. Accept his son Jesus as your saviour and now that he's bought you, him as your king as well and spend eternity with him in heaven. Or will you reject him and his son and pay for your own sin in hell? Do you want to make Jesus your saviour tonight? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you would like to give your life to Jesus tonight. I want to say there's four groups, keep your eyes closed, but there are four groups of people in this room. Group number one, you know you're not trusting in Jesus or you're not sure what you are, but you do know that you want to start trusting him and become a Christian, saved by Jesus, for Jesus forever. Ask yourself, am I in group number one? Group number two, you have been trusting in Jesus, but you've been drifting And tonight you want to come back to him. You want to put your trust in Jesus and and come home to God to live for him from now on. Are you in group two? Now the rest of you are either already trusting in Jesus and you want to keep trusting him and living for him. Or you don't want to put your trust in Jesus tonight. But if you're in group one or two tonight, 
Don't wait any longer. Become a Christian tonight. Now, if you're in group one or two and you want to become a Christian or come back to God by putting your trust in Jesus, I'd actually like you to stand up now. I'll give you a moment to do that. Keep your eyes closed. It's not about the other people. It's about you and God. Do you want to put your trust in Jesus and come home to God tonight? I'm going to pray for those guys. And they'll pray with me because that's the best way to start a relationship, which is what you're entering. Father God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry that I lived in rebellion against you. I accept that I deserve hell. Thank you for sending Jesus as a saviour. Father, I ask please that Jesus will be my saviour. Please forgive me. I know that now means that he owns me and he's my king. And I ask please for your help to live like that from now on. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, sit down, guys. It's amazing to see that tonight, people, if that was genuine, not emotion, if you prayed that, if you asked Jesus, can you be my saviour, and you decided to live your life for him from now on, you joined the kingdom of God tonight. You will live forever. And if, if what we saw just then happened, that, was, that, was, that happened just now. So... so You have made me very happy because that is why we're on the planet. But can I say, if, if that was you, I'd encourage you to tell your leader, tell your, your Christian friend, because you're a baby Christian. Babies need a lot of help. They need food. This is your food. Get into the Bible. They need family. This is your family. So ask them to help you. They need to... to not really, but let's go with it. They need someone to talk to. You, you, um, you're now in a relationship with God, so start praying to him and enjoying your, your expiation, your propitiation, your redemption, your justification, and your reconciliation. Let's stand up and keep singing.